Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. And we are reviewing the World Government Summit discussion on are we ready for a new world order, folks? And that's the question. Are you ready for a new world order? Let's continue. Let's pick back up where we were. I think we're ending with Anwar, who is from the United Arab Emirates government. GCC, for example. The GCC has never really been a big success when it comes to uh, political direction. It has had varied views there. But it's been a huge success, really, in creating what I would call a common market. So I think the region needs to catch up before it actually becomes a major player. Otherwise, it will be very much subservient to this multipolarity that we're talking about. And I want to come back to you um, for, for a sense from you, which I think would be extremely useful for this audience, as to what is going on behind the scenes here. When I say behind the scenes, it's very visible um, that there is enormous change in this region. Witness the, uh, the meeting in the Negev Desert uh, the summit um, attended by the uh, foreign minister here, um, His Highness Sheikh Abdullah bin Zayed, four Arab foreign ministers meeting in the Negev Desert with the uh, Israelis. I mean, if you told me that that was going to happen three years ago, two years ago, even a couple of weeks ago, I think I'd have still been surprised by that. So I do want to get, because I think that's very important, we get, you, we get your perspective as to what is going on behind the scenes. But thank you, Fred. Um, this sense that you, and you certainly see this here, that we are in a pivot with foreign policy to a policy that, that fundamentally and clearly serves economic needs, geopolitics to geoeconomics, as, as, as Dr. Amwar has suggested, I think is certainly an extremely important driver of what is going on today. But your sense, I want to get a sense of if we, you know, where we're at and the impact that this will have on global policy going forward and how this world is run. The, the impact of the economics mm. of it all. Mm. Well, well, first of all, let's take a look at what makes up world orders. Uh, world orders are that uh, a group of countries across the world agree to a set of rules, and they agree to play by them. The second is there's a balance of power uh, so that no power feels that uh, it can subjugate a neighbor. But then the third part of this is uh, a, a, a consensus that everyone accepts this. 
it's, it's almost too utopian to, to, to come about. And so what's emerging right now, which I think is a danger, is uh, a Chinese-centered order and a U.S.-centered order, and that we're breaking down again. Mm -hmm. And that's not a healthy outcome. It's not the outcome we want. Uh, but that gets to the economics, and that's what I wanted to touch on, because the economics are that China, I think in 2016-17, uh, uh, invested $53 billion in the United States. Last year, $1 billion. So there's already a decoupling. There's already a breaking down. And the question is, how does this play out right now? And so I think you're going to see, in an economic sense, you're going to see these two worlds. But it's not going to be that neat. I think you're going to see the evolution of regional organizations. And the regional, because it's so hard to create a world order, I think you're going to see regional orders spring up. And then you have links between regional orders. But they will be very much guided by economic interests, social interests, and also uh, security interests. You see things like the Quad, like the Abraham Accords, uh, so ad hoc, not, not inflexible alliances, and, and that seems to me what's emerging at the moment. Okay, so uh, this, okay, so he's talking um, about the world, about geopolitics, and the way that these wonks would talk about it over the last 10, 15, 20, 50 years, you know, going all the way back to World War II. But see, what's happening, folks, I'm telling you, what we've discovered here, this is why I wanted to play this panel discussion for you, what we've discovered is happening through the technology, through the technologists, through the Amazon Web Services, the Consensuses, the Oracles, the Microsofts, the IBMs, they're out there and they're working with all of these different countries. Now, if you're a country, let's say you're China, and you were in competition, as uh, Fred would say, with the United States, would you let an American company like Amazon Web Services, uh, located over here doing contracts with the United States government, right, to the tune of tens of billions of dollars, housing CIA and NSA data, would you allow them to come into your country, China, and build cloud services for you? Whose loyalty does Amazon Web Services have? Are they loyal to the United States government? Are they loyal to the Chinese government? They're working in Russia. Are they loyal to the Russian government? Are they loyal to the German government? And so when you see all these international technology companies working with these various countries that are all supposed to be uh, enemies and are all supposed to be up against each other, it's just not true. It's a facade that's being created while the technocracy is actually being built and the infrastructure is being built. Would you see the cooperation on central bank digital currencies and cross-border payments? Well, that's all being orchestrated through the central banks. The central banks are all members of the World Bank and the IMF and all answer to the Bank for International Settlements. So you can't really have any meaningful competition between these countries when at the end of the day, they're actually all integrated through the technology and through the policies and these international governmental bodies and the financial banking system. See, they're all intertwined. So there isn't really any competition. The technate is being built. The uh, worldwide technocracy is being built, as you see in Ukraine, you see in Russia, you see in Israel, you see in Palestine. It's all being built at the same time, and you have all the same players behind it. So he is not being sincere with what he's actually saying there. Let's continue. Should, should countries, governments be forced 
to make a choice, to take a side at this point, Pippa. I mean, certainly, again, this is a big narrative here. You know, this is two, you know, this is, the, this is this struggle by two great powers. I use the term great loosely to a certain extent, but, you know, two great powers. And, and, and others being forced to take a choice. I think this speaks to this kind of emergence of these regional powers and the emergence of the middle powers here. Because we're hearing, quite frankly, don't force us into a corner here. Are they right? Well, it may be a bit late for that. Uh, I remember talking to an Australian diplomat at one point about this break between the US and China and said, you know, both sides are going to say, whose team are you on? Mm. And he said, our job is to make sure the question never arises. But the question has arisen. And so I think we have to go deeper. And it's not about the US versus China. It's about what underpins a world order is always the financial system. Aha, mm. uh, uh -huh, there we go. Pause for a second. So this is Dr. Pippa over here. And she said, uh, forget about the competition between China and the United States, because what underpins this is going to be the financial system. Let's see what she has to say about this. It's very privileged. My father was an advisor to Nixon when they came off the gold standard in 71. And so I was brought up with a kind of inside view of how very important the financial structure is to absolutely everything else. And what we're seeing in the world today, I think, is we are on the brink of a dramatic change where we are about to, and I'll say this boldly, we're about to abandon the traditional system of money and accounting and introduce a new one. And okay, so there you go, right? So she's talking about her father advising Richard Nixon as we're coming off the gold standard. Not here, folks. This is the Dustin gold standard. But... Uh, no, it, it's it's very interesting because she's going to talk about obviously central bank digital currencies. Uh, we're moving from one financial system to another financial system. And Peter Thiel, the technocratic transhumanist government oligarch, huge government contractor, had actually said that at the beginning of COVID land, the high school theater production, that they could use COVID as a chance to usher in the new financial system and push out the old financial system. So let's see what Dr. Pippa has to say. The new one, the new accounting is what we call blockchain. It means digital. It means having a almost perfect record of every single transaction that happens in the economy, mm -hmm. which will give us far greater clarity over what's going on. It also raises huge dangers in terms of the balance of power between states and citizens. In my opinion, we're going to need a digital constitution of human rights if we're going oh okay okay blockchain is going to change everything cbdc is going to change everything but now folks the problem that we the elites the social engineering class the prison planet wardens the economic terrorists the central bank mafia bosses we are going to need to govern a governing body that governs the overseeing of the new governance and financial structure we're going to need a digital constitution of rights for the citizens that were about to enslave and strap with a chain to a block. Every transaction will be tracked. Every purchase will be analyzed. Every bit of data will be traded on the market. But don't worry, because we're going to protect you with a digital constitution of your rights. They don't respect your human rights. In the United States, they don't respect your constitutional rights. But don't worry, we're going to have a new digital rights constitution. Give me a break, folks. You can see it. It's all right. Right here, ladies and gentlemen, all right out in the open. Let's continue. We have digital money. 
but also this new money will be sovereign in nature. Most people think that digital money is crypto and private, but what I see are superpowers introducing digital currency. The Chinese were the first. The US is on the brink, I think, of moving in the same direction. The Europeans have committed to that as well. And the question is, will that new system of digital money and digital accounting accommodate the competing needs of the citizens of all these locations so that every human being has a chance to have a better life? Okay, so you've got the United States, she just admits, and this lady's high level, folks. She's a goofball, but she's a high level advisor, goes in and out of different presidential regimes. Um, she's big into finance and entrepreneurship and technology and Silicon Valley. And she just said, China moved forward with CBDC. We already know that. The United States is on the brink of doing it as well. All right, so don't take my word for it. Take the word of her. You might hate her. You might dislike her. You might think she's a power-hungry scumbag, uh, as I do and many others do. But she knows what's going on, folks, and she's sitting there at the World Government Summit on the panel discussion on are we ready for a new world order telling you the United States is getting ready to move into central bank digital currency. Let's continue. Because that's the only measure of whether a world order really serves. George, what do you believe the biggest shift will be? Well, there's always a major shift in great powers. Uh, the world in 1945 was defined in a certain way. In 1991, the Soviet Union collapsed. Mm. Maastricht was written. The Japanese economic miracle turned out to be <coughs> a miracle, and, and so on. So in 1991, we had a change. We are now having another change. The first, we are discovering that Russia is not a great power. Economically, it lags behind South Korea. Militarily, it has shown itself not to be significant. It is a military. It is a nuclear power. We've also seen that in China, although it has had a magnificent run for 40 years, has now entered a period of economic dysfunction. Its uh, economy, its, uh, its financial system and such has to be restructured. Mm. These restructurings aren't easy and they are never come without political problems. So uh, it's a great power, but how it plays out the game is, mm. is another question. But one thing we've discovered, I think, in this crisis, the enormous power of the United States, which has been forgotten. But the way the Americans were able to use the dollar as a weapon to put the Russians on defensive, the manner in which the United States was able to rally uh, NATO uh, to this common cause. I mean, when we look at the way we thought of the world a while ago, it's different now. No, and that I, I and you're making a very good point. I guess the that begs the question: How long does that last? Oh, not very long. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it also begs the question. So go no, on, go on. When 1945 went to 1999, mm. 1999 went to this point. If this is a transitory point. Mm. And every 20, 30, 40 years, we have a transition in the world. And that should not be unexpected. We are a dynamic people. And we will change the way we live, and the system will change, and we will have to align ourselves with it. You made a point about, you know, the, the U.S., and I'm not sure if you actually used the term, forgive me if I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth, but has weaponized the dollar to a certain extent. Um, or has used the dollar. You've seen the power of the dollar at a time when, as Pippa rightly points out, should we be looking at 
you know, the sort of uh, the, the, uh, the fiat that we have used over the past X amount of years, is anything like uh, useful going forward or is that redundant? And if it is as yet still not redundant, is it the dollar or is it the Chinese currency? And we have seen the efforts or the noises made by the uh, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia recently just to suggest that it doesn't have to be the US currency that is the uh, currency of repute going forward. You're all making some absolutely fascinating points. I think, you know, with, with 15 minutes left of what is a ridiculously short panel as far as I'm concerned, I think it's important um, to get a sense from you all as to how you believe governments will navigate the new global dynamics to shape a better future, which brings me very neatly to if you will, Dr. Amwar, just, just explain, if you can, you know, what is going on in this region at present? Oh, okay, folks, let's pause right there. I let that run long. I didn't want to interject. There was nothing I really had to say. Uh, because when you're listening to uh, George speak from Straffer, he makes actually quite a bit of sense. And so I wanted to let him uh, answer. Obviously, he's not talking about technology and the financial system and what the other ones are talking about. He's talking about, you know, geopolitics. So I want to let that run. When we get back from this break, ladies and gentlemen, there's just seven minutes left. We're going to wrap this up. I want to end it today so I could move on to some other subjects. Hopefully tomorrow we'll have Dan Golvach on to talk about the spirituality that goes behind these power-hungry international criminal hackers, pirates, and thieves. And so we'll talk about that. When I get back, let me finish up with this panel discussion because a lot of people were mentioning this, sending it to me, wanting me to cover it. So we're covering it. And then uh, that'll be the end of panel discussions uh, for some time. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, folks, we've got about six minutes left in this World Government Summit. Are we ready for a new world order conversation? And so we're going to let this play out, ladies and gentlemen. I want to finish this up. Uh, always interesting when world elites, these big advisors to various governments, get together on the stage and talk about whether we are moving forward into a new world order. So I figured we had to cover this. And then tomorrow I'm deciding if Dan Goldbach doesn't come on, which 
direction I'm going to go uh, because I am setting the stage for Wide Awake Jim to come back next week and to break into his Bank for International Settlements tre- treasure trove of documents. All right, let's continue with this, folks. Well, I think, uh, first of all, we've gone through a very difficult uh, and torturing decade. Mm. And I think uh, from the U.S. perspective, we need to turn the page uh, and start a new page. And that uh, new page is basically reaching out to uh, various uh, friends, of course, but adversaries also. And to uh, make sure that you, you know, we rebuild these bridges. We, we're not gonna agree uh, with everything they want to do, etc. And the Middle East really, uh, going back to the, to the Najaf uh, summit, the Middle East is not really only about Iran, and the Middle East is not only uh, about Israel. Because you could be confused by that. Yeah, you could be sure. confused. You could be confused, and I think our whole... Well, yeah, we obviously see the Middle East is not just about a war between Iran and Israel. The Middle East is building up an entire smart city prison planet system around everybody, as we know. And we'll go deeper into that as well, because a lot of folks over here don't realize that this technology is being uh, rolled out all around the world. Let's continue. Uh intention is to uh, find a way of functionally working with Iran. Our whole uh, intention is to make sure that there is an agenda of stability and prosperity in the region that includes Iran and and others. But I think the other also important element that you should not, uh, you know, have, uh, you know, be blindsided by energy is coming back as a major component of many of uh, the Middle East and indeed uh, world discussion. What people thought uh, was the death of uh, carbon energy, of fossil fuels, etc., is, uh, I think, a little bit premature. And I think you're seeing that also coming out uh, in many of these discussions. I want to come back to uh, the whole issue of this uh, issue between uh, democracy mm. and authoritarianism. I think that this uh, sort of binary mm. is, from our perspective, is not the one we see. I think there are so many shades uh, in between, and I think, uh, for example, in COVID, it was really government efficacy that really identified mm. who did well and who didn't do well. But I believe that you do ultimately need uh, perhaps in the middle between these two, you need something called governance. I think if uh, every uh, democratic attempt in the Arab world has turned ideological or tribal, so I'm not sure that this is really something that we can actually, uh, uh, you know, uh, work out very successfully here. But we do need governance, and governance, of course, includes a lot of components that are there, and I think this is perhaps the the middle between the two uh, binaries that you mentioned. Uh, that's uh, so interesting. We do need governments, though, folks, between authoritarianism and democracy. Democracy has failed in the Middle East, so we do need governments, folks. We do need governments. Well, I, I uh, advocate for the side of no government. That's where I stand now, because when you give these folks, these elitists, these power-hungry prison planet wardens, these technocratic overlords, the ability to rule over you, then they go to the far extreme, which ends up in authoritarianism in a tyrannical takeover 
And so if you want to debate them, you probably have to go completely to the other side and be as extreme as they are and say no government. Just like you have to debate from the side of no technology. It's just they put you in a position that that's what you have to debate. Because when you give them an inch, folks, they take a mile. Let's continue. Yeah, and and Becky, I think I can pick up on Dr. Gargash because I, I agree with him completely that it's, it's a, in a way, it's a false narrative. Um, uh, the issue is government effectiveness and whether the people consider the government to be legitimate. Democracy is one way to achieve that. There are other ways to achieve it. And the legitimacy is gained by uh, governments that can deliver the goods, effectiveness to their people, <coughs> can deliver freedom, which people want, so ensure human can, can the government deliver freedom to you? Isn't the very idea of a government anti-freedom? Having a body rule over you? That would be anti-freedom, but he's saying the government will deliver freedom to you. Rights ensure freedom, but at the same time ensure order, ensure, ensure safety, ensure health care. Um, and, uh, and I think this new era of technological change going faster all the time, whether it's quantum computing or artificial intelligence or bioengineering, um, you know, these technologies are uh, morally neutral. Uh, and so the technologies can be used to enlighten. They can be used to gov- deliver government services better. The, the technologies, I just want to point this out from my perspective, are not morally neutral. The technologies are morally in line with the morals and the ethics of the person or the body that funded its creation and for what purpose it's intended to be used. Okay, no one funded CRISPR gene editing to be morally neutral. It had a purpose and a reason for someone to develop it for the millions, if not billions of dollars that goes behind it. Artificial intelligence was not designed to be morally neutral. Someone funded the project. Someone created the project. I mean, it's it's such a lie for people like that to say those type of things. Let's continue. They can be used to repress. They can be used... Uh, 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 you know, to surveil in, in a way that, uh, that is, is, would be unhealthy. Um, and so I think to me that's really important. I'm going to say just one other brief thing on sanctions because I wanted to say this. Um, the dollar, um, uh, everyone's been predicting the demise of the dollar for a long time. And I think it has a long tail. But if you overuse sanctions, more and more people will try to find a way around them. But Putin since 2014 moved as far away as he could from the dollar in the U.S. and still the G7 froze for the first time in history the uh, assets of a central bank, a G20 central bank. It wasn't because the U.S. did it, it's because the G7 did it Mm. without the U.S. and Europe together. And so I think it's really going to be a coalition of factors that will sort of decide uh, whether or not, uh, you know, uh, one, one punishes. But I do think the dollar will last for a while yet. Uh, but it's not going to be uh, America alone. It's not going to be America first. It's got, it's got to be America with others. And that's the only way uh, with our relative size and weight and GDP reducing that, that the United States will indeed have influence in the world if, it be, if, if the country just becomes much cleverer mm. in building coalitions and working together with partnerships. Uh, I think one of the things that uh, we notice, for example, 
is if you allow a conflict to take a long time, then you have what I would call byproducts of the conflict. And I just think about the instability in Iraq and the war in Syria and the birth of ISIS, for example. If we had been able to resolve that issue mm -hmm. earlier, we would not have had the repercussions. So I'm very much with the latter thing, is I think that we do need in Ukraine, uh, Ukraine is going to be a significant change in the international order. And I think the repercussions are going to be uh, quite deep and prolonged. But I think we do really need to find a political solution, and it starts with a ceasefire and a political solution, mm. ASAP. We need to do that because the danger of horizontal or vertical escalation is real, mm. and I think we should. Okay, so they jammed in this stuff of Ukraine in the end. Not really interested in that, folks. I mean, this is going back into June. But the big takeaway here is you've got these uh, four elitist big people in the government, advisors, intelligence folks, talking about the idea of a new world order. And so the big thing that comes out of Pippa, who's in the world of technology, Silicon Valley, is this idea of the rise of the new financial system, the central bank digital currency. And I was really happy happy to see i mean i'm not happy about it but i was happy to see her say this at the world government summit it's important because if the world powers if all these countries that all have central banks that are all part of the world bank the bank for international settlements the international monetary fund agree on the central bank digital currency system and cross-border interoperability there's not going to be any real tensions between any countries because they're all operating on the financial system whatever Everyone wants at the highest levels of these international bodies and these countries is power, control, and wealth. And that's what they all seek out. That's what the countries want. So as long as the leaders in these various countries are allowed to make money, are allowed to grift off the system, are allowed to have power and control over their people and have a seat at the world table, then the system runs smoothly. My personal opinion is when you're looking at little wars break out, Russia, Ukraine, it's all orchestrated in the end. That's what I believe, folks. That's it. Are you ready for a new world order? These folks didn't seem to all be necessarily on the same page but they do agree on the idea that technology is going to bring the world together and they were all nodding when they were talking about the idea that the financial system will bring everyone together so keep your eye out folks as we move forward this is episode 113 114 i'll either have Dan Golbach and I are going to move on to another subject. I think we've covered central bank digital currencies leading up into this discussion here at the World Government Summit. Uh, we've gone into depth on this. And frankly, um, it's just cluttering my head up, folks. I've talked enough about CBDCs. We've looked at the technology. I could go 150 episodes into this stuff, and I don't really want to do it. I need to move on to some other subjects before I go crazy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in. Please leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts along with a comment. Uh, feel free to join us at pain.tv slash gold for a few dollars a month. You get the ad-free video version of the Dustin Gold Standard and the Thomas Payne Podcast as well as access to a Facebook-like app and website where you can meet like-minded folks, share information, educate other people, learn from other people. It's a great community. And if you'd like to, folks, a few people have done it. We really would appreciate it. Drop us a donation over at donorbox.org slash Dustin Gold Show. It really helps out, folks, because we're in sort of a... Uh, 
bridge period now. I'll explain it in the coming episodes. Uh, the Dustin Gold Center is kind of transitioning into a new form, and we're trying to work our way to January 1st, where we're going to be rolling out some new content and changing the way we do things over here. And I'll be completely transparent as everything gets locked into place, and I'll let you guys know exactly what is going on, because you've been loyal, and you've been following the show. So spread this around to your friends and family, people that are interested in understanding the true history of the world we live in, understanding what's going on in the present, and trying to make sense of where we're going in the future so that we can better navigate what lies ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, I will see you later. My name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here at pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold.